In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Guys, for the next several weeks, we are answering your questions as they come. This is our Ask Me Anything series. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. From Men in the Arena, it's Equipping Men in 10. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we We salute salute you. you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, your host for the show, and this is Equipping Men in 10. I'm here today with our co-host and producer Dale Culver. How you doing today, man? I'm doing really good. Okay, nice generic answer. I'm really good. Well, that was like better. I am. There's sunshine <laughs> just, today. I know it's been be- it's been beautiful out here. Hey, I want to uh, jump into the meat of the podcast, but before I do, do you have a man word for me today? Yes, my man word is silence. <laughs> oh, seriously. Uh, I remember the times when you and I would take a day and we would go to the the abbey, the Trappist Abbey, the monk place, hang out, and we would split up, and we would just spend the day in silence um, and just reflect, journal, pray, and just get some time alone. Man, those were some great times, and I know I need to do that more, but uh, I, I just dig doing that, and I think more and more in this world, we need to shut things off and just be alone. So I guess my question on that is, why aren't you doing that now? What's the what's the hindrance for you personally? Yeah, I think uh, before uh, we didn't have we hadn't adopted our nephew at that time. Yeah, and we had girls that were in school, and uh, we have uh, our nephew that we adopted. He's now our son, and uh, he has a lot of appointments. Yeah, and there's a lot of baggage with that. And he has school. And he has yeah, and so there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of things going on, and so um, to carve out time, it's not as easy. But um, yeah, it is, life gets crazy. So you have yeah. to strategically, and I know there's guys out there that work 50, 60, 70 hours a week, but we have to, and I need to, set time aside to just have silence and reflect. Well, I'm and, in that stage of life where I'm uh, like this. I'm in a period of time where I'm overworking, and that's totally on me. So any guy who has to work 50, 60, 70 hours a week, that's on that guy. And if that guy values work over his personal development, he's going to do that. And right now, I've been valuing work over my personal life, and I've got to, I've got to fix that. That's a broken a system in my life. And so uh, I think that's a, a great 
word. And if guys want to know more about this, we did a podcast interview with Joel Vanderloon, who was a season seven contestant on the series, the show alone. And he spends a significant time on the podcast talking about the value of silence and solitude. And man, you guys are going to love this podcast. We talk about wolves. We talk about shooting moose. It's a great podcast. So you want to check it out. So, hey, let's get into the meat of the podcast. Guys, for the next several weeks, so we may even go into a couple months here, we are answering your questions as they come. This is our Ask Me Anything series. So we've just put it out there on our thousands and thousands of guys on Instagram, our Facebook forum, all over the place. We're saying, guys, ask us anything about manhood, about becoming your best version, uh, questions you might have, we will do the best we can to answer them. So we're going to take three questions every week. Right now we have enough maybe for two months, and we're going to dive into them. Guys, these are our opinions on your questions, okay? So I just want to, you know, you're asking a question, I'm giving you my opinion based on my biblical knowledge, based on my ministry experience, based on my education, based on personal experiences, these types of things. So just want to let you know that when you send us your Ask Me Anything or AMA question, if we use it, we will shoot you some swag when you hit us up at info at org. The first question comes from JL, and he asks this question, how do you constructively deal with the unbelief in your grown children? So yeah, here's what I would say, and this is a little bit of firsthand experience. Uh, Dale, I know you could probably speak to this too a little bit. And I would say uh, five things uh, come to my mind instantly. Uh, The first thing goes back to a story when Oprah Winfrey is interviewing Billy Graham, and she asked him about how would you handle a son or a daughter who is openly homosexual? And Billy Graham just instantly answered, I would love them more. So I think the first thing I would say to a parent when a child goes wayward, or we like to call it the stupid years between like 18 and 26 or 7, during that phase, love your kids more. Look them in the eye. Smile when they're in the room. Let them know that there is nothing they can do that will hinder your love for them. I mean, you may be a little bit ashamed. You may be very disappointed, but you can't let that happen show on your face. You got to smile, look them in the eye, love them more. I I would say the second thing, guys, is this. Now realize you're playing long ball here. These kids are in your life forever. You love these kids. You bore these kids. So don't seek instant gratification. Now God could do something instantly and it'd be awesome, but you're playing long game here. So I would say you need to implement a program of praying daily I'm assuming that you've been doing that already. Pray daily for your kids and pray specifically for your kids. A Bible reference is, I think, in Luke chapter 11, uh, the woman asking, 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 asking until uh, the judge finally gives her her recompense. And so I would say pray, pray, pray. And I would say this, hold to your values. Stay true to your guns. Uh, do not waver in your in your faith in Jesus. And then don't compromise your biblical obedience. I've seen this happen. I have seen uh, parents become their children, go down to where their children were in order to bring them back, and it never happens. Mm -mm. Water seeks its own level. You know, a rising tide causes all ships to lift. And so you need to set that standard and just let them know, I love you. I'm the father in Luke chapter 15, staring on the horizon, waiting for you to come back, but I am not going to come down to your level uh, of sin and disobedience. Anything you want to add to that, Dale? Yeah, I just w- would echo your love them. 
Uh, continue being who you are in Christ, but do not sit there and lecture them with Bible verses because you are not going to win them with that. No, they're already gone, and you're just pushing them further. That's Especially a great point. Especially if you've already raised them and brought them to church and you've taught them the Word. They know, they know, they know. And if unless they come and ask you what verse to look up... <laughs> Don't be throwing the book at them. I think that's a key thing, unless they come and ask you, pray, 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 but don't preach. At this point, the preaching doesn't work. At this point, sadly enough, the preaching might have pushed them away. Correct. So uh, so be very careful to love them for who they are, and uh, just watch what God does. So right. I think that's some great advice. Again, this is advice from two dads of tw- 20-somethings and all the way down to teenagers. So... The next question, and I'm not 100% sure on this, this is from Ty G. So Ty, if we use your, uh, we're using this today, so hit us up at info at menandarena.org, and we can send you some swag. So you asked the question about sinless perfection. That's all we see here is sinless perfection, then you said just your thoughts and understanding on the subject. So, okay, so not knowing the context here, let's start with Jesus. Yes, he was sinless. Yes, he was perfect. Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not serve a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is tempted in every way, just as we were, yet was without sin. So Jesus is sinless perfection. He's the embodiment of it, which is why in John 14.6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. In other words, Jesus stands uh, in 1 Timothy 2 5, I think it is, says, For there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So imagine Jesus stands uh, uh, on a bridge over a canyon that humans can't get across. God's on one side, humans are on the other. Jesus, being fully man, can stretch across and grab the hand of man, of men, of people. But he's also God in the flesh. He's Emmanuel who lived a perfect life. He also is reaching the hand of God, and he can pull you across. So sinless perfection of Jesus, yes, absolutely. Sinless perfection, I'm just kind of playing out what you could have meant here. The Bible, is there a perfection? What is the what is your stance on the Bible? Well, if you go to menandarena.org, you can see our stance on what we believe about the Bible. We believe that the Bible is the infallible Word of God. We do not believe the Bible is the inerrant Word of God. Now, let me explain that. Inerrancy means there's no flaw, there's no hiccup, there's no mispunctuation, there's nothing in the original language that is imperfect. Well, it takes about an hour in seminary to realize that that is not true, that there were some, uh, when these documents are transliterated, there were a few little things here and there uh, because of human error. So you need to understand that. But the Bible is infallible, which means the Bible does exactly what it is meant to do. It says exactly what it is meant to say, and you can take the Bible at face value for exactly what it is, right? This isn't a book full of allegories and and fantasy stories. We believe the Bible is true. We believe the stories are true. We believe the Bible is the infallible Word of God. We do not as an as a board of directors some of our board may believe this but we do not as a board believe in the inerrancy we believe in the infallibility so you can check that out so now let's talk about sinless perfection in people right so in people so you have a lot of different views here but the view that comes under attack the most here would be was is what we would call wesleyan arminianism 
uh, uh, John Wesley uh, taught about something called Christian perfection. Now, he defined that as the ability to love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Do I believe that's true today? I actually do believe that a person can love God with their heart, mind, soul, and strength because Jesus commanded it, because uh, Deuteronomy uh, 6, 4, and 5 commands it. I believe that that is there, but are people sinless and perfect in their uh, philosophically perfect? No. A person can functionally love God with everything they have even though they are flawed and imperfect beings, just like my glasses that I'm wearing can they work really well, even though they're scratched and scarred and used and sometimes foggy. They can they are still used for the purpose that they were created for, and that's what we're talking. You know, in First Corinthians thirteen twelve, uh, Paul writes, "For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now we know in part, but then we will be I will be fully known, just as I have been fully known." In other words, we will never reach the state of sinless perfection on earth. Uh, to say that just really isn't true, biblically or practically. But we can love God to the best of our ability in the midst of being flawed uh, humans that are, are sinful. You want to add anything with that? I was just thinking Romans 3.23, where it's for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And so, you know, yeah, you could say a prayer and be healed and yeah. forgiven, but you're going to turn around and do something stupid. Well, and you can. There's there are no holiness. Way. There are holiness movements out there that say, you know, you can, you know, you can live a life without sin. Well, that's not true. No. I mean, you might make it through one day of your entire life, and maybe that one day you don't sin. You put yourself in a box and sing hymns all day. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I've never personally achieved one of those days. You know, because I'm a flawless human being or a flawed human being, <laughs> and so, so that's my view on sinless yeah. perfection. I do not believe it is philosophical perfection. Is not attainable in this life, but I do believe functionally we can love God with everything in our heart, mind, soul, and strength, even though we're flawed human beings. So hope that confused you a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, thanks for that question, Ty. That's a great question, man. So the last question is from Michael M., and he says this, what are some practical skills you think every grown man should have? What are some good ways to learn and grow in those skills? The second question is so easy. I'm just going to say YouTube it. (laughs) <laughs> YouTube. YouTube. Google. YouTube it. I'm telling you, YouTube is king. Now, I am a guy, I'm very, very good at certain things in my life. Uh, I can lift things, I can shoot things, I can cook things, I can break things, I can write things, I can say things. I, I'm not good with practical skills. You know that, Dale. I know that. I've been praying and asking God to help me be better at that. That being said, here are some basic skills I think every man should know. These are actually skills I know. And so I think, but I do think they're really important. So, Dale, if I'm missing something, let me know. I think every man should know basic car maintenance. So, by basic car maintenance, I mean you should know. I don't do this anymore. I pay a guy to do it. I pay, you know, a company, but you should know how to change your oil. I can tell you how to change my oil. I can tell you where the, you know, the, where the oil filter is, where the pan, the oil pan is, get the oil bolt off. I can do all that. I've done that. I did that for many, many years going through high school and college. Change your oil, change your tire, change your wife's tire. You should be able to change a tire, a flat tire. You should be able to exchange your white windshield wipers and then check all your fluids. Anything else a guy should know about his car? I just thought of this. Um, 
check your tire pressure? Well, you should be able to throw a set of chains on your car, depending yeah, on where you it, live. If you if you live in a place where it requires chains, you should be able to throw your chains. Oh man, I've done that so many times. Yeah, that's a freezing and when you go nightmare to the tire place, they can show you how to do it. It's so easy nowadays. It's so much yeah. easier. But you need to know how to do it, guys. That's important. Hey, listen, this is gonna a skill that I think every man should know. Every guy has knives in their house. Every guy does. Guys, you need to know how to sharpen a knife. And I'm going to tell you what, if you just go to Work Sharp Sharpeners, they make a real cool sharpener. It's about 100 bucks. It comes with multi-belts, like a coarse belt, oh. a medium belt, and a fine belt. It is so easy. Bymart sells them. I think Walmart, so, so easy. Uh, if, you know, I use a, I also use graphite rods. I have also ha used to have the old sharpening stones. But you really need to know how to sharpen a knife. That's really, really important. And the other thing I think you need to know uh, in the context of your home is you need to have some basic carpentry skills. So, Dale, I did follow your advice, and I did buy that chop saw that you recommended. Oh. I got it for 30 bucks. So I've got yeah. a chop saw. I've got a skill saw. I've got a jigsaw. I've got sanders. I've got multiple drills. I've got a sawzall. You know, I've got all the fun stuff. And Band-Aids. And I've got I've got a couple <laughs> digits missing. It's just a phalange. But um, I think a guy should know how to hang curtain rods, you know, install uh, blinds, hang pictures, find a stud. You know, I mean, cut a straight line, you know, some basic things. And I am not a, a carpentry guy, but I think a guy should know how to do all of those things. So anything else you think a guy should know when it comes to carpentry skills? Yeah, I think the, the big thing in all of this is when a guy is worried about it, if you do YouTube it and then slow down and go through the process. I think sometimes... Dude, why don't you just say it? Uh, just sometimes. look at me in the eye and just tell me. Sometimes. Man, that, that door I measured a half an inch too short because <laughs> I wrote the measurement and thought it was a one instead of a seven. Uh, yeah, slow down, guys. Slow down. And, and I would say, because I hate, I hate this stuff, I would say slow down and just... What I know about my carpentry guys is they enjoy the process. I hate the process. Mm -hmm. I just want to get to the end, but then when I get there and I realize, wow, that shed I put together does not have one 90-degree angle. Nice. That's negative. <laughs> and so I would say enjoy the process, yeah. and YouTube is outstanding and for that. invite so. people in to that. Well, stuff. I'm a master at that. Yeah, invite I mean, them in. Yeah, ask for help. Ask for help. Guys, well, if you're a guy who gives and you, you're a giver, people are going to love to help you. So I would say also, guys, you need no, no basic yard maintenance and landscaping. You need, to, you need to know how to work your mower. You need to know how to work your blower, your edger. You need to know how to start them if they don't start. Um, you need to you know mow your lawn, edge it, cut the shrub, knowing to cut the shrubs, knowing to do all these things. You know, in, in Oregon, we do a lot of bark dust moving. You know, we put bark dust in as ground cover. Um, do you have to know how to put a sprinkler system in? I don't think so. But I think the basic stuff you do. Am I missing something here? No, I at my age now, I'm all about electric. I think I'd like to trade trade my uh, mower in for an electric one. Well, I need a mower. I threw I'm, mine away for after six years, and I'll tell you what. <laughs> so you and I are opposite this way. You're really good with your hands. You're good with all these things. And so for you, you're like, I'm just going to learn electric. For me, I'm not good, so I want to master the gas-powered engine. Yeah, you don't have to learn Dude, Does that make sense? You just plug it in and go or put a battery in yeah, it Yeah, but go. so that's easy for you. But for me, I'm like, I've, I've got a gas-powered mower. I've got a gas-powered blower, gas-powered edger. I do too. Those are important for me to just continue to learn how to maintenance them, start them, problem solve them, because I'm not good at those things. I hate them. But I'll tell you what, I've, I've got a Husqvarna 
you know, a chainsaw and yeah, and the blower. And there's a certain method with all these things. It's a steel, you know, chainsaw. There's a certain way of starting all of them. And once you figure it out, it's really not that bad. And I learned a lesson this year. Shake the gas. If it's been in your if it's been in there, shake it. If it's <laughs> otherwise it gets it it's not good. It doesn't start. So anyway. Um and I would say the last thing, Dale, for me is I think, man, you should know how to start a fire from scratch. Uh, you should know how to build a bonfire. You should know how to start a, a fire. Like I use wood for a barbecue. You just should know how to do that uh, in your uh, wood-burning stove. Without gasoline. Without gasoline. You should know how to get the tinder, you know, uh, you know, shave shave off the bark if you don't have a, a proper tool. You just get tinder, you know, you know, build the, torpe- the torpedo, the teepee, or you can do the box, build it up, get it going. Every guy should know how to do that. Do you need to get a... You know, do you need to know how to start a friction fire or go old school in you know Native American? No, but you do need to know how to start a fire without having to resort to gasoline or lighter fluid. So <laughs> uh, I think that'll really help you. So is there anything else I'm thinking, Dale? When it thinks of when when uh, when Michael wants to understand basic ways and basic skills, are there any basic skills we're missing? Not that I can think of right offhand. All right. Well, hey, Michael, if we've missed some, please let us know. Otherwise, Dale, what's up, man? Take us home. Yeah, man, well, you head on over to our website at menintherena.org and grab your free electronic version of Tell Them, What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters. And while you're there, sign up to join one of our many virtual teams by clicking Join Our Program. Until next time, fill the wet sand on the arena floor, hear the deafening roar of the crowd, taste the sweetness of victory, smell the stench of battle, get in the game, get dirty, grind it out, and be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.